Hey everyone, it's Angie Morgan Wachowski. I am joined by my new co-host with Bet on You Radio, Ben Whiting. I'm so excited to have you here. Angie, this is going to be so much fun. You know, Angie and I, we've been working together now for five Ever. years. Ever. 10, forever. 50, like 30 years. Decades. <laughs> And, in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. And as we've kind of built our careers, we read books, of course. We you know, find videos. But more than anything else, it's just talking to people and hearing their stories is where we've always gotten the best advice and learned the most, I think. And so I'm so excited to be a part of this team so we can deliver that experience to you. You know, whenever I meet people, even if it's just the airport or the bus or subway when I travel, I just want to hear their story. That's like one of my favorite questions, actually. Tell me your story. And it's interesting what people typically do when they share your story. They may like brush through their childhood or they'll, you know, give you a couple sentences. And then today, this is what I do. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Slow it down. Like, let me understand you, your what your parents did, what type of lessons that they passed on you or your family environment. Where'd you go to school? What were you influenced by? What do you like to read? Like, I really love the texture of people's lives. And I know you too, just. Uh, absolutely. It's amazing how those early things kind of play into people's success. Uh, I know this season, we're going to be talking to some really incredible guests. And our first episode is actually going to be talking to uh, the co-founders of Action Glow and a Shark Tank success story. These two guys were on Shark Tank. This is Garrett and Dakota Porter. And I am so excited to dive into this episode and hear not just about the Shark Tank experience, but how they got to that point. Because I think there's a lot of great lessons to be learned there. We were talking to them in advance of the session too, just to get them ready for the show. And they were talking about their childhood of just, you know, pulling together pop can donations, which is a kind of a strange Michigan thing if you're not from Michigan, but basically you get to return your pop cans and you get a dime per can. And it's just a great way to raise money, but it just made me think, wow, what if, you know, every child growing up in this country could just have like a fraction of that <laughs> ambition, that entrepreneurial ambition and spirit. It was just really inspiring to me. And those are kind of the stories too, those unique behind the scenes that we hope to expose to give people just some ideas on how they can take bets on themselves. Right. And it's not even going to be just people on like the national scale. We're going to be talking to local people that have built incredible businesses. We have Allison Beers coming up just around the corner, uh, a local person here. Other people we have coming up this season. Uh, I know we have Willard Kitchen, a consultant who was head of learning and development for IBM Asia, who is now living in Traverse City and has an incredible story. And it's going to be great to have all those people here in the studio. Oh, we also got Jill Gould coming up. She is one of the directors of education at Benefit Cosmetics. And now most men don't know about Benefit Cosmetics. <laughs> but women, if you have eyebrows, you know about Benefit Cosmetics. because well, they. Know. Maybe I need to learn a maybe little bit you should more learn. about it. This <laughs> <laughs> is a dear friend of mine, too. Um, her name is Monica Bhatia. And she came here from India with... Uh, her bachelor's degree, she got her PhD, and she's inventing a product designed to feed the world. She can make protein-infused bread, but she gets her protein from wheat. So talk about like sustainable protein and getting like 20 grams of protein in your toast in the morning. Just makes oh, you want to do push-ups, doesn't it? <laughs> incredible. But of course, we also want to hear from you. If you have someone you know that you would like to be a guest on this show. If you have questions you'd like us to ask guests coming up, feel free to contact us. Uh, emails for me, it's just ben at benwhiting.com and Angie at, oh, and this is a big one too, Angie at Angie Witt 
Kowski.com because every young girl <laughs> growing up wants to marry a man with a large Polish last name. <laughs> but oh. it's W-I-T-K-O-W-S-K-I. Maybe we'll have that up on the screen and post. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, well, Freds, we are so excited. Let's just go ahead and get into this first episode with the Porter Brothers and welcome to Bet On You Radio. Welcome to Bet On You. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining Bet On You Radio. I am so excited about our next guest. How many people have do you know who've been on Shark Tank? I mean, we've all seen the show, but in our studio today, we have Garrett and Dakota Porter, the co-founders of Action Glow, and they're going to talk about their journey to actually getting in that room. Welcome, guys. How well, you doing? Welcome. Thanks for having us. Oh my gosh, Ben and I are so excited to have you. You're Traverse City locals. <laughs> we are. Started our company here almost to, over 10 years ago now. Oh, and when yep. you were 13 and 16. Yeah, I was 13, Dakota was 16, and uh, we had no idea that it would turn into this today. It's, oh. it's kind of surreal. It is kind of surreal. Let's go back. Talk about your childhood. Yes, we had a great childhood growing up in Traverse City. Like we were obviously very active in the action sports world. So anything that had like a board in the name, snow, snowboarding, surfing, well, surfboarding, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> anything that like we could ride on a board, we were doing it. Um, we were also very active in like other sports like baseball and golf growing up too. So we were always outdoors and always tinkering. Yeah, both uh, very quickly got... Uh, immersed into the Boy Scouts of America organization because really? we were never the kids that would kind of be like vi like playing video games. We were never indoors for too long. Um, and so it seemed like the Boy Scouts was a natural fit for both of us. And Dakota became one of the youngest Eagle Scouts in Michigan. Correct me I, if I'm wrong. I think that still stands. One of the youngest. Uh, one or, like one or two. I Top five with Senator Jason Allen. Well, oh, really? From, from nice. Fantastic. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's an amazing organization. Oh, my gosh. It, it was incredible. It took me a little bit longer, but I also went on to achieve Eagle Scout. Um, and kind of what fit with us playing baseball back in the day, we renovated um, a local baseball field here in Traverse City and turned it into like a, a tournament level baseball field. And it was like the total sandlot field. Um, it's over at Grace McDonald Park. Um, and then Dakota got his hands on it. And then I kind of built off of that. But um, now, literally, games are held there. Tournaments from like around Michigan come there to play, That's and that crazy. was kind of like our our Eagle Scout project together. I don't yeah. know, Ben. They sound like overachievers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you were kids, did did you get along? Did you fight? Did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you generally Definitely. fight about? <laughs> right. Little things, but like we were like we're best friends, so we would get over it pretty quick. You know, mm -hmm. like we'd be really hot headed for just a few minutes, maybe start like a little fist fight, and then we'd be like, "All right, I'm sorry." You know, <laughs> so, like, do you want to go play Especially baseball? Especially now in business together, like right. you know, we have stuff to do, and so even if we disagree on something or we get like hot headed. It's for like 10 to 15 minutes when we're like, look, we got stuff to do. Like yeah, no one right. else is going to do it but us. So we have to quickly get over it. And uh, we work really well together. There's fewer fist fights now. Fewer, fewer fist fights now. I, okay. think, <laughs> I think one of like the benefits between our relationship is I'm very right-brained. So I'm very creative. Um, and I love doing like completely separate things than like his task list. And so Garrett's very left-brained. He's very organized, very um, like sort of borderline OCD, making sure that everything is like where it needs to be. Everything adds up. So he's, he's more of the numbers guy where I'm more of the creative. Like I would think of this really big idea to do for the company. And then Garrett will either shut me down or be like, hey, maybe we should look into that a little bit more. Like, let me try to figure out this on the logistics <laughs> side. And you think of it on like the creative crazy side. Oh, 
it's so great. What did your parents do? Were they entrepreneurs? Yeah, so definitely entrepreneurs. Um, My dad's been in the restaurant industry pretty much our whole lives. Um, and now he's working as the director director of operations for Magnum Hospitality. Oh, that's so a great, like yeah. Pearls, Red Mesa, Cafe Sante, all and our Boyne favorites. City. Yeah, yep. <laughs> all, all the good ones there. Um, and then my mom has owned her own cleaning business for years. Um, so she was doing commercial and residential buildings for. Um, yeah, since it's just growing up watching their work ethic. You know, our mom would be up um, cleaning like commercial buildings before we'd even go to school in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and she would do like two huge you know buildings and then come and take us to school in the morning. And my dad was already off to work. And then uh, being the director of operations or the general manager at that time of Pearl specifically on Elk Rapids, if somebody calls in or something, he's the he's the man that takes over the position. So he'd manage in the morning, typically from 8 a.m. to 3 or 4 p.m. when the night manager would come in. And then he'd toss on an apron and go behind the line and cook or go wash dishes or fill in whatever roles. And so he was, you know, pulling constant doubles to try to keep pearls uh, afloat, which is just oh, incredible to watch. Thank God for watch. that. That is like <laughs> my favorite restaurant. Oh, the red oh, bean cakes so are so good. Oh, so good. Oh, everything, so good. like the Everyone dry chicken pearls. salad. Oh, they, they've made a name for, for themselves. You know, and just kind of, you know, kind of like us, like that. The owners of Pearls back in the day, everyone told them they were crazy for trying to start a Cajun Creole restaurant in the middle of nowhere, northern Michigan. And I think they just celebrated their 23rd year in business in May. Um, so it's just a testament to like, you know, the never, never letting the naysayers kind of talk you down or get you away from an idea that you have. Yeah. So I'd be curious, like with your family being very entrepreneurial and hardworking, how did that rub off on you? Yeah, well, that's exactly what it did. It rubbed off on us. And like, we've always had, and they've always been extremely supportive, um, as well, which I think is another aspect to kind of like where we are today. Like we would have the crazy ideas of, Hey, for my Eagle Scout project, I want to redo that baseball field. And a lot of people, like, that would be a very daunting task. Like, for my Eagle Scout project, or for any Eagle Scout project, I believe it's still the same, but it's 100 hours. And we stopped logging, like, well over 1,000 hours um, of of time. And we're like, this isn't about the hours. This is about accomplishing this huge project that was, like, near and dear. It was, like, I was very passionate about it, too, because it was our local ballpark. And it wasn't in the best shape. And I was just wanting, like, a nice area to go and play baseball. And... Yeah, they really were huge supporters on like making that possible. Now, imagine this is like when your your pitching career started. When I say pitch, I'm not talking yeah. about baseball. <laughs> sales, like, because right. yeah, yeah. you can't do that by yourself or even just the two of you. How did you recruit people to get behind that mission? Yeah, that's exactly where we um, right. where where we got all that knowledge from. I think a lot of it too, like being in scouts, is we were kind of taught to like you know, it, to be comfortable going up to the different houses and trying to sell Boy Scout popcorn or trying to sell things. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed oh, that popcorn. so much. Yeah, the Boy Scout popcorn. Boy Scout popcorn. Yep, yep. <laughs> so good. Like I was always the, like one of the top salesmen just because I loved it so much. And like I loved talking to people and connecting. And then once we got into the Eagle Scout project of the baseball field, it was very similar where like we would go and we'd talk to um, the sod farm and try to see if they could help us and donate some and maybe cut us a deal. And then we would go and talk to the different local companies and see if they wanted to advertise on our home run fence. And so we were just connecting and making like networking from I mean, I was 12 years old at the time, you know, so we were connecting such a young age. Like business too, like being able to talk to business owners Mm -hmm. about advertising on your field. Like you're probably talking about how many people will see your advertisement. Just really That's exactly how we got our start because we didn't have any startup funds. We didn't even have bank accounts to start (laughs) at at 13 and 16. Right. And while our parents were super like supportive in any way they could be, they weren't really, they weren't in a position to be financially supportive to us starting this company. 
But we're like, well, we can go do what we do best. So we went around the neighborhood knocking on doors, um, this time not selling Boy Scout popcorn, but asking for their like cans. And we would take in all the cans we could from all of our neighbors. And we eventually raised enough money by doing that and like other untraditional business funding methods because we couldn't get a business loan, obviously. We couldn't <laughs> get a, a business score? credit card. <laughs> so we were just stuck with like um, trying to figure out a scrappier way to get off the ground and get the funds we needed to get started. And it was came through pop can drives. Um, it came through asking local companies here in Traverse City if they would uh, if they wanted to be on like a sponsor list that we called Making Dreams Come True. And we'd put their logo on it and oh we'd take gosh. it around to all of our events. And it was just like ways like that that we got action off the ground. This is, you know, what kind of has sprung you into the Shark Tank world. But I heard that when you were on Shark Tank, that wasn't your first time applying. No, not Correct. at all. Yeah, that was our fourth time, I believe, applying yep. for the for the show. Um, when we first started the company uh, back in 2012. And we should ask, you know, the company, started, who's... Who had the idea? What happened? How did this action glow? Come oh yeah, about? so all the way back to the origin. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously we were really busy, busy kids, liked big projects and things. Um, but like I said, with selling Boy Scout popcorn and stuff, we were very entrepreneurial as well. Like down from the lemonade stand at the top of the driveway, all the way up until like Action Glow today, we were doing entrepreneurial things all the way up um, through our, our entire our entire childhood there. Um, but we started Action Glow when we were snowboarding at Mount Holiday, so here in Traverse City. It was one of those ideas that kind of just popped in their heads because in the winter here in northern Michigan, obviously, it gets dark really soon. And there's just white lights shining on the white snow. And it just seems kind of boring. And LED technology was just starting to, you know, get its get its roots. And I was like, what if we put LED lights on the snowboards? And so Garrett and I started talking about this. And we went back that evening and we just purchased a bunch of stuff off the Internet. And we're like, maybe we can tinker with something and, and create a product or create something that will look cool, right? There was no intention on selling it at this time. It was just like something for, for our own but selves. But stand out on the hill, right? Exactly, right. yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to be unique and just for people to be like, well, what's that? Yeah. And um, so we, we did a little tinkering and created a little prototype and we put it on our boards. We went back out to Mount Holiday and people were screaming off the trail. It's like, what is that? Like they were skiing and snowboarding right up to us, asking to touch it, asking what it was called, how much it was. And so we're like, hey, you know, obviously the entrepreneurial bell started ringing. We're like, hey, we could start making these and selling them. So that's where it all kind of started. And then we spent the next two years uh, networking here in Traverse City and trying to find a way to bring this product to market. I love that you say networking because you're probably like from, you know, 13 to 15, 16 to 18, just networking, yeah. trying to bring your product <laughs> exactly. to market. <laughs> Which goes like now to the biggest piece of advice we could ever give any entrepreneur is networking and getting your idea out there. We started doing business plan competitions right off the bat throughout Seriously. the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, and where, then, where did you learn to put a business plan together? Did you oh, get internet or did you have a mentor? Networking. Did you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the first steps we did was as soon as we had the idea, we went to SCORE here in Traverse City, which is just a group of retired business people that are out there to help you and kind of give you advice on the next steps to start your company. Did they and, see the vision when you presented these ideas to them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our, our SCORE mentors are still valuable mentors today. Um, oh, and nice. we still consult with them on a daily basis if we're going through something or need their advice or help in anything. Um, and that was kind of the first step on like how we started our business plan, um, how we knew, you know, get our uh, provision, first provisional patent filed. And then it just kind of took off from there. But it was all about finding the people who know like what we're going through and know what we should be doing for our next steps. We would probably say that was one of like our biggest advantages as starting a company at such a young age. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different advantages, um, but the fact that we understood that we didn't know everything and that we should be reaching out for help and asking people that do, we didn't let our egos get in the way. We didn't really have egos when we were, you know, 
13 and 16. So like we didn't try to do it ourselves. We just went around and started asking people. And that's how we were able to kind of like learn sort of, I would say, how most entrepreneurs like become successful, like with the networking and connecting. We learned that so early on. Can you learn sh- to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. 100%. Now, even yeah. With, yeah, so with like, so let's just say with most recently, the pitch that you did yep. on Shark Tank. Yep. Did you reach out to people for help with that? We, oh, we absolutely. Sure <laughs> absolutely. We had all of our mentors that we could think of um, watch the show and prepare us like 10 questions each of what they think we might get asked. So by the end, of it, we had just like a whiteboard and our whole wall in our shop was covered with questions. Um, we hired presentation coaches one from Indonesia and one from California. Really? Who we had uh, daily calls with for two weeks leading up to us flying out to Los Angeles. Because mm-hmm. when you're going like for an opportunity like that, you want to make sure that you can like articulate your words, get your message across, because you're not just trying to win over a shark. You're trying to win over the you know 5 million people at home that are watching it as well. Absolutely. And so we took all the steps to prepare for Shark Tank. And you said something that was really fascinating there that you, know, you put, it sounds like you might've put more preparation into prepping the Q&A Oh, than the pitch itself. Yeah, yes. absolutely. The Q&A is like where, where you stand out. The Q&A is the part that you want to be dialed for. And once again, it goes off of Dakota being right-brained, me being left-brained. We knew going in that any question regarding our story, how we came up with the idea, what it took, was going to be directed towards Dakota. And so if we got that question from a shark, we both knew who was going to answer it. Right. Um, and then if it was a numbers question, lifetime sales, cost of goods, last quarter, it was going to come to me. And so we had that idea going in. So there was no like, you know, ping ponging. Who's going to answer yeah, this question? I'm like, it, uh, no, this one because you want answer. it to be yeah. fluid. And mm-hmm. so we had a really good uh, kind of way of working together on the show because of that. How did you find your coaches? I mean, you're talking Indonesia and the West yeah, Coast, yeah, yeah. like those, you know, that maybe was, not. That one specifically was we were just looking around the internet and trying to see like who would fit that bill to kind of help us out. Um, and, you know, we found some really good coaches. Um, we actually reached out to one of them who said, hey, you know, I'm going to help you guys with this portion of like, you know, the question and answer or whatever. I'm like really well versed in that. And then I also have another buddy from uh, Los Angeles who can help you out with this other portion. And so he kind of did the networking there to to form oh, the, the team, our presentation team. So, And awesome. how do you deal with the nerves? Because you do the whiteboarding questions, you do yeah. the presentation. What do you do about the nerves? Because that's, I mean, that's, that's TV. That's, yeah. that's a really people. big one. Yeah, it's yeah. where the presentation coaches came in because we would give our pitch to them every day and they would literally have up on their screen pictures of the sharks. And then we did the same thing. We printed out pictures of the sharks and when Dakota and I would give our presentation or practicing it, we'd be staring at, you know, pictures that were printed out of the of the five sharks. And so it was all just like, envisioning yourself in the moment not just saying your pitch and not like doing anything with your mind but it was kind of all about making sure that you felt like you were actually standing on that rug and so by the time we went out and stood on the rug we're like we've already been here 300 times before you know because we felt exactly what it would feel like to be there to be Play looking like at practice. the sharks yeah like practice exactly yeah, exactly now is there anything when you got there and you're standing in front of the sharks there's cameras everywhere is there anything that you're like, oh man, we did not expect this? A hundred percent, yeah. So, <laughs> there was a ton. We well, to like touch on the nerves thing too is like I I have done many presentations and a few of them by myself without Garrett, um, just because of age restrictions, which is funny. Most entrepreneurs didn't have to deal with that, but Garrett was too young to enter some of the competitions, and I had to do them solo. Um, and I quickly learned like I am a nervous person. Like if I get in a situation that I'm not completely well versed in. I really start to kind of fall apart. Like I just don't remember. My brain turns off. It's like lights on, no one home, um, which did happen. Spoiler alert, in Shark Tank for a quick second. But um, yeah, 
one of the things that like helped me the most was just like we said, practicing, just doing things over and over and over again. So Garrett and I practiced our pitch for a month straight. We were in the airport heading to Los Angeles and we're like, we were saying it out loud on the escalator. We were like pulling people aside and we're like, I'm sorry to bother you, but can we just run this over <laughs> by you really so quick? <laughs> were people just honored to we hear We couldn't really yeah, tell were... them what it was for, yeah. but I think they all grasped, by the end of our, our pitch, then they <laughs> all grasped. Yeah, everyone knew where, why we were heading to Los Angeles. Actually, I want to talk about the first three attempts to get on Shark Tank, because I think every entrepreneur faces rejection, mm-hmm. yeah. but the successful ones are resilient and see yourself through it. So when was the first time you applied to be on the show? So the first time was pretty much right when we launched the product. Um, it was within that same year so we launched in November of 2013 it's just a couple weeks after we launched the product actually yeah and so we were reached out by one of the producers um, saying like hey we, we heard you guys story because we were doing a lot of local PR and stuff as well like about a company and about our, our product launch and um, basically they wanted us to to apply to be on the show so they reached out to you they first. reached out to us yes. first. Oh, wow. yep and so we were like that's exactly we're like oh wow like, this is we could be on Shark Tank on TV and um, so we went through the whole process where you know we're filling out the um, all the application paperwork, which is like signing your life away, a big thick binder of everything that had to be written down. Um, and then we actually, I believe we got cut after the like the paperwork stage because we were a new company. Um, we were super young and like we just started selling a few weeks ago. So we're like, oh yeah, we sold like you know. 50 units. Cost <laughs> um, a good yeah. sold. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It was just like, it wasn't really a, like a full business plan there yet at that point in time. Um, and so then we actually were reached out again next year. They basically said, hey, you didn't make it this year, but let's try again next year. Maybe you guys have more sales, a little bit more like of an established business history, and we'll be able to go from there, um, which we did. And we actually moved forward into the video submission at that point in time. And there's like five stages kind of that you have to like paperwork, video submission, then you have like the producers, the directors, and then you get like an email saying congratulations type of thing. It actually goes in now, now that we know it goes out to like 15 steps, but the first five initial are like the biggest hurdles to get right. through. Mm-hmm. And well, well, I think that was the fourth um, was the video submission. And so Garrett and I learned from our mentors and stuff like we have to, and we, we've also kind of been trained like this, but we wanted to be as professional as possible because we were young and we knew that like we wanted to, we like we've always tried to act like we had something to prove, like, hey, we can do this mm-hmm. business thing. And so our first submission video, which actually you could see on Shark Tank, is us in like, you know, our dad's sweaters mm-hmm. that are too big for us, and us like standing <laughs> upright and just like being very monotone, but trying to explain like our demographic and our cost of goods sold and all of these different business terms that we knew at the time. And we were just trying to lay out the business. And we definitely left out the part of like, hey, this is a TV show, and they want to see that like these kids have personality. But we didn't. We did. We were trying to like mask that, you know, mm-hmm. because we wanted to show that we are professional, or business professionals. Um, so we actually got cut at that stage, and we're like, we don't know why they cut us. So they um, didn't give you any feedback. They just said no. Yeah, no they feedback. Don't, they not give you any feedback mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> but we event- we eventually realized, like, as we were watching the videos, like, hey, you know we're not really showing our personality. We're being kind of dry and kind of monotone. And so we did that actually twice. We were cut um, the first time because of the paperwork, second time was because of the video, third time the video as well. And uh, at that point in time, we brought on a private investor here locally um, and started working with him. And so we didn't really need money and didn't really think much about the Shark Tank thing because it took so much time. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of paperwork, a lot of like just months of getting prepared for it and then just getting the no. And we were kind of sick of just getting the no. And so we we stopped it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, that third time, though, we, we became really close. Like we got a call saying, um, 
that like we a lot of entrepreneurs weren't getting this call and you guys should be very proud of yourselves you're moving forward in the shark tank process it doesn't mean you're flying out to la quite yet but this means you're very close and so we celebrate we brought like our parents out to dinner we're like we're going on shark tank And this was back in 2017, I think. <laughs> and then we got the call that we didn't make it. And we didn't. we're like, oh, all that for uh, nothing. Uh, so it was just defeating. It was like constant like highs right. and lows. And that's another reason on top of the private investor that we took on here locally. That was another reason we just stopped applying for quite some time. Yeah, we just weren't going to put all of our eggs in one basket. And that basket being like on going on TV. And we knew that we could be successful without that. And so, you know, we just said, well, we're going to focus on us and focus on the company. Um, but it was this, well, this last year now. Um, back in 2022, Garrett just decided to apply again. We did not get reached out or anything. <laughs> I just did the standard online what application. What was going on? Like, what, what about, was it like a special day? Was it just It was just, I got an angry? email saying like applications are open for season 14. And I knew where Dakota stood on it. Not that we didn't want to go, but like it just took so much time and stuff. And I'm like, you right. know what? We have advanced so much in like the last four years. We have learned so much. We've become so much more comfortable in front of cameras. I'm like, Dakota, let's just do it one more time. And so really without him even knowing, I just filled out the online application. Without him knowing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he yeah. didn't even know about it. Um, and then we got a, a, a call back saying they wanted to learn more. And then I'm, then I had to break the news to him. Like, well, Dakota, I might have yeah. done a little thing. Um, <laughs> How did but, you take that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was like, oh, I guess we're doing it again now, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right have a choice. <laughs> but Garrett was able to talk me into it because he's like, we're always going to have that what if. You know, like we've tried so long to get in the show and we're always going to have that what if like, you know, 10 years down the road, like, man, what if we were on that show? What well, if what we were on like? Shark Tank? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. And so there was always something that we we knew that we really wanted to do. And I was like, all right, Garrett, well, this is going to be the last time we're going to apply, but we're going to give it our all. We're going to like really focus on just giving it our all. Like, and if we didn't make it, we were fine because we knew that it just wasn't for us. You know, like they weren't interested in the company. Yeah. That's fine. But we tried everything. Like mm-hmm. we gave it our all. And so uh, then we just kept progressing and progressing and progressing. And I'm like, oh, oh boy. We also understood that it was a TV show this yeah, time. You know, like, so no dad sweaters. Yeah, yeah no dad sweaters. <laughs> we, we dressed our brand and we just like, we, we were ourselves in How the video. How did that epiphany come? Was it just from watching the show over and over again and just hit yeah. you? Or did someone like, hey guys, you're, you're, you're teenagers, don't wear a suit. I think right? we just, I think we just matured and yeah. realized it. you know, like, hey, we need to not pretend like we're someone else. And we just have to be ourselves. And we have to show our personality through that video. And like, I guess being cut at the director's portion of it, like mm-hmm. was a good signifier that it was because not the company, but just because we weren't TV worthy. Yeah. And then at this point in time, like throughout the years with the private investor and stuff, we were making vlogs and we were very active on social media and we were getting like a lot more comfortable in front of a camera. And it just made sense for us to try again. And this is, this is a, I think a question some of our listeners were like, cause all the time we're sharing our ideas, pitching, you know, you know, the next business or service we're trying to offer. And we all want to be authentic. Yeah. So right. what advice would you give? What questions were you asking yourself as to how do I make sure I'm just being myself? Right. That's a, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it just, like I said, we just got more comfortable in like the situation we were in and we just knew more about our company and we were more comfortable with their company. And like, we've been doing it for so long now at this point in time that you know, we just sort of started to grow more comfortable in that position. So kind of just take action, figure it out. And yeah, you know, realize authenticity will come with repetitions. Uh, exactly. exactly. And yep. we also had like some milestones within the company that we were excited to share. And we knew because there's like a portion in the video that they say like bloat a little bit about mm-hmm. like your accomplishments, what you've done. And so like we've been able to travel to France and Brazil doing like surf competitions at night with our product. And so we were like excited to share those things as well. And we felt like a little bit more confidence in our company and what we were able to do. 
Um, and I think that translated through the video. Let's just get right into Shark Tank. So you're there, you're in front of all these people. What do people not know about Shark Tank? Yeah. And that experience. Oh, there's there's so many nerves. You're, you know, because you've watched the show in our case for 10 years. And so when you're standing in front of those doors, you just like, you kind of just black out immediately. And you're just like relying on your muscle memory and your knowledge of your own company. Because if you like thought about rehearsing anything, you could, other than your pitch, of course, because you should have that internalized, not just memorized. You kind of just can throw it to the wayside because you're not going to remember really anything unless it's yeah. like deep within you. And so when you get out, you have to stand on your mark, which is the rug, um, for 45 to 60 seconds. And you can't say anything and the sharks can't say anything either. So you just stand there looking at the celebrity investors that you've looked up to your whole life. <laughs> And you stare at them in the eyes for 45 seconds before you say anything while the nerves build. But they're doing that so they can set up the cameras, they can get the shots where there's, you know, no talking. Um, but it, it really helps. And build you the don't nerves. meet them either like a nice Never. introductory, nope. like, hey, and it's good luck true. on the show. Yeah, and yeah. it's true what they say. It's completely an unscripted show. The only scripted part is your pitch that you come in with. Right. Um, but the sharks don't know anything about your company. They have never talked with you before. And if they do, you wouldn't even make it on the show if you've had any interaction with mm -hmm. any of the sharks beforehand. And it's completely unscripted. So like every question you see, every, that's the first time it's been asked. And uh, it's just as you see it on TV. Now, your segment was like was seven, eight minutes. How right. long was yeah. the actual pitch? 45 minutes about for us. Uh, it felt like five. That is for sure. Really? It was very quick. And another minutes. fun mm -hmm. fact is there's no do-overs. So if you go out there and you bomb the pitch, I mean, you pretty much just ruin that entire opportunity for you and your company and so that really helps like heighten the nerves there right <laughs> you're not guaranteed to air so even if you you made the cut so there were forty thousand applications to season 14. of the forty thousand, they fly out to los angeles about a hundred and then of the 100 that actually pitch to the sharks they only air like 70 to 75 of them oh my god and so even if yeah. you go out and you pitch to the sharks you're, you're constantly thinking like was that enough were we exciting enough were we passionate enough because you just want to know if you are going to air and you want that air date, but you're not guaranteed it. So when you're looking at the sharks, does any one of them intimidate you more than the other? I wouldn't say that. Basically, what, what Garrett and I quickly realized when we we're out there is it just doesn't feel real. I mean, like I said, Garrett, Garrett kind of mentioned it, that you would black out and like the, the nerves were so heightened, but you would sit out there and you look everyone in the eyes. It just felt like you were watching yourself on TV while you were doing like the pitch, mm -hmm. while you were answering kind questions. It seemed like the sharks were like video game characters. Like you almost <laughs> right. wanted to like reach out and like touch them because they looked like those wax figures almost. Mm -hmm. You're like, are they real? Or is it like, is this all in my head? Am I dreaming right now? No, it's yeah. just a surreal out of body experience kind of. Yeah. Now in your pitch, you actually took a small jab at Mr. Wonderful. Yes. Saying <laughs> that the <laughs> action glow glue like his head yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he's bald for yeah, those who haven't seen the show. Right, right. The, what, what a risk. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah, yeah, yeah. feel like a risk? Why did, why and he actually <laughs> said, he's like, you guys were asking for 15%. That just doubled now. Yeah. But they, they cut that out. Yeah. Um, oh. But it was it was good because it kind of lightened the mood for everyone. It got the sharks yeah. to laugh, which kind of gives you a sense of relief. Like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, they're people. They're actually like, mm -hmm. they, they find things funny when we make little jabs at them. Right. And so it kind of brought us down to like a level playing field, which was nice. I'm glad we did that. I'm yeah. glad we threw that I'm glad that didn't there. backfire. But our, our, like, <laughs> like, like we said, that's the only thing that was scripted. So our producing team, they were working with us on it. And they didn't really seem to have very many issues with us doing that. Mm -hmm. So that gave us a little extra confidence to go out there and say it shines brighter than, brighter than its head. <laughs> How do you guys do Like, obviously, there's a lot of discussion and debate. You're getting back and forth between you and the Sharks. What do you agree upon going in? 
like you as business partners? Like, do you like, sure. this is the amount, mm -hmm. this is a percentage, this is what yep. we're willing to give. Like, how did you come yeah. up with that? We kind of had like, yeah, that ceiling amount of what we would, you know, not pass. Um, but then again, you're always kind of thrown into it when the negotiations start happening because it's a shark. You're not just talking about like a, a private investor just with their funds. You're talking about a shark who has the ability to open so many doors that you would otherwise find closed. And so, but we did have a ceiling in there and actually we landed right at that ceiling. We were not going to give up more than 30% of our company, which is what we ended up agreeing to with Robert. But once again, those negotiations with Robert went so much longer and it, on the show, it just looks like Dakota said, would you do 20? He said, no. Then it looks like I come in and offer 25%. He says no again. And then it looks like we just agreed upon 30. But there was so much more negotiations. We talked about like if uh, Robert would help finance like our hard POs, if we get a big purchase order from Dick's Sporting Goods or um, one of those large retailers. And so there was so much more that went into it. But once again, they have to boil it down to what is understandable for the average American viewer and what's good for TV. But yeah, we kind of had uh, set parameters within our, ourselves of what we'd accept and what we wouldn't. Right. What was that feeling like when you came to a deal? Like, okay, so you walk out of the room, you close the door, then you're mm -hmm. like, what the hell yeah. just Gosh. Well, Once again, it still didn't feel real. Like it never really sunk in for us. Yeah. Um, but one thing that was was funny that I'd like to touch on too is like before we actually went out there and, and did our mm -hmm. pitch, you know, we, we woke up at 5.30 in the morning. We, we were there at studio by like 6, 6.30ish. And our pitch wasn't until like 11. So we had a lot of time just sitting in the back back room, kind of like practicing and letting the nerves build up. And um, we did a quick orientation. One of the producers basically was explaining to us that he wants us to leave everything on the table. This is your one opportunity. You know, you'll never get an opportunity like this again. This is Shark Tank. This is something you've dreamed of your whole life to do. And he's like, I want you guys to leave everything out there, like everything on the field. He's like, I want you to feel like you just played the Super Bowl. I want you to be emotionally and just physically drained when you leave here. And Garrett and I are like, mm, that's not going to happen. We're going to go, you know, like, hey, like, go grab a nice dinner. We're going <laughs> to celebrate, you know. We're like, this is like, we're this young, is really we're big. active. Like, yeah. it does, it takes a lot to drain us, you know. Right. <laughs> right. After, when we were walking down that hallway, like I said, it, we, it was such a surreal moment, but we were exhausted. We were so tired. Like we want, like we went back to the hotel room that night or that day, like two o'clock. Fell asleep. We took a nap. We fell asleep <laughs> in the van that transports you from Shark Tank to your hotel room. Yeah, because you're just like you don't even know what happened. But it's not even like physically, obviously, because you're just standing there. Right. But it's so like your adrenaline is through the roof and you're emotionally so high and so low that we were like crawling out of there by the time we were all done. It was wild. It was very insane. Oh, but it was it was something that we like dreamed of doing for 10 years like the moment we thought of action glow and we were then reached out by the by the producers it was like on our bucket list of things to do it was like such a big opportunity for us to even be there on that rug and so we did what he told us we left it all on the field <laughs> luckily we came back with the deal um but yeah we were just drained depleted <laughs> and then what happens next so i know what happens next? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, then it's um, then you start due diligence with your with your uh, shark because not all the time do deals close exactly how you see them on TV. There's a lot more paperwork to go through to actually get a deal to close. Um, and then you just kind of while you're working through that and growing your company, you go back to your normal uh, you know operations of your company and you hope for your air date because once again you're not guaranteed to air. So in the new season, that season 14 is going all the way up until May. Um, and so you don't, and they only give you a three weeks heads up that you're going to air. So if you do air, they say, congratulations, you've been selected to air. And by the way, it's in three weeks from now. Oh, and so crazy. you're, you're 
just kind of crossing your fingers, waiting for your uh, an email or a phone call that you're going to air. Yep. All right, Dakota Garrett, I have a quick question for both of you. If you were to have a tattoo on your arm, written in the other her brother's handwriting, what would it say? That's a question for both of you. Wow. That's a very thought-provoking question. Yeah, that's, that's one I've never been asked before. That's the th- Yeah, in 10 years, we've been asked a lot of questions. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's unique. Um, the first one that comes to my mind as far as like in Dakota's handwriting would be like think outside the box or stump something like along the way that his brain works. Because mm-hmm. like we mentioned previously, he's like the creative, out-of-the-box thinker. A lot of our crazy ideas like taking a school bus around the country here soon comes from Dakota. And so I would, it'd be something along the way of like thinking outside the box, thinking differently than others. Gotcha. I love that's that. In, yeah, that's, I like that one. Mine was uh, like stay determined. And I think that goes back to us doing this for 10 years and never giving up. I mean, this is something, I mean, when we started the company at such a young age, everyone told us like, hey, you'll get it with the next idea. You know, like when you guys grow up and you start your own business, you're going to know so much about business with this little endeavor. And we just never really let that get to us. And we just continued to work and continued to believe in the product and believe in like our mission. And so I would say stay determined would be a really big one because that's what we've been doing. Stay determined. Think outside the box. Fantastic. Yeah, well, that's a great Good one. question. That was a great question. We'd love to hear from you. And this is your chance to share some wisdom and a little bit more details about your personal lives too, outside of all the busy work that you do. I'd love to hear from you. Is there a particular book that's inspired you along the way? Mm. You guys big readers? Are you? Garrett definitely sits down and he, and he reads a lot more than I do. And that comes back to the dyslexia there on that part. Like it just takes me so long to read anything. I know audiobooks are out and that's that's a great um uh it's a it's a great like different sort of avenue to read a book but i think like i just listen to a lot more podcasts Podcasts and i watch a lot more videos like i'm a big youtube guy like Mm -hmm. just watch everything on youtube watch podcasts on youtube watch you know just people watch presentations on youtube and i learn a lot from that but i've never really gotten to books as much as i'd like i think eventually i'll start i'll have more time to like learn to read a lot better and like be able to understand what i'm reading that's my biggest downfall is oh, I'll, i didn't know that I'll, yeah. I'll read everything and like the words will be said but i won't ever like comprehend what's going on inside oh, the book so that takes me yeah. a little bit longer but yeah. garrett sits down he reads um, I, tr- I try to but once again i'm like working yeah. through the uh the four hour work week right now by oh yeah tim ferris tim ferris um a lot of like Tony Robbins, like unstoppable motivational mm-hmm. books. Those are the ones that I tend to pick up when I have time. But once again, I'm kind of, like I'm with Dakota in the fact that when we're at the shop working or something, we'll just have like a podcast going in the background, yeah. like mm-hmm. an Ed Milet podcast. Um, any of those like, you know, motivational uh, speakers we, are very interesting. We really like to learn from other people, like mm-hmm. what's going around in our network. Who can we call and talk to? Like right now, um, since being a Shark Tank, it's offered us a little bit more leverage to reach out to the the bigger names and be like, hey, can we just set up a 15-minute phone call just to tell you our story and le- learn a little bit about your story oh, and make that good. networking and just kind of, yeah, just learn from other people like personally. And that's another big thing on the road trip that we're hoping to do. It's just meet up with a lot of people that inspire us and learn from. I think Thanks, that's great. And I just started what, as a man thinketh? It's a very short uh, monologue book, but it's very interesting. And it's it's older, too, but it goes back to, like, the mindset of basically your mind controls everything that happens in your life, mm-hmm. as a man thinketh. Okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, along those same lines, too, I'd love to hear from you guys an important piece of feedback that you received that really helped you. Could have been tough feedback, difficult hmm. feedback, or maybe positive feedback. Can you think of something that guided you? <laughs> yeah. The one that comes to my mind right off, right off the bat here would be from one of our mentors downstate. And um, it was just kind of like he was because starting before Shark Tank, we were kind of just doing things our own way, um, starting our business, which is great and all. But he, he just kind of said to me, like, 
I'm going to, you know, train you guys like your actual business owners now because that's what you are. And he's like, so I know like we're, I was pretty lenient on you guys in the way I like talked with you and interacted with you before all of this. But now with the amount of like orders and customers that you're getting, you guys are an actual company now and you need to start thinking like it. And so he kind of uh, gave me like the, the harsh discipline as far as like book work and finances and everything go to stay on top of it um, in like more of a, a disciplined fashion. Because even Robert says on Shark Tank, he's like, you guys are just high energy and you need to stay more disciplined. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what our mentor shared us right before we went on Shark Tank. Stay disciplined. Yeah, disciplined. for sure. Uh, this is going to be a joint question. What do you guys like to do when you're not working all the time? And where do you like to eat? Wow, love that. <laughs> um, well, so when we're not working all the time, that's the thing. Is like we enjoy, we really do enjoy like working on the company. That is that is our greatest passion. It really is. Like it's not work. Everyone says this is not work because that's what I love. But it's so true. Like we love what we do, and so we really enjoy being at the shop making making kits. We used to do that back in the day. Now we've got a manufacturing team for that. Um, but we love just working and growing the company. When we're not doing that, we're out on the boat in the summer, wakeboarding and wake surfing, and we're golfing a lot. We're just really like participating really in like the action sports, you know, that we yeah. like yeah. brand our company for. So wakeboarding, surfing, longboarding, snowboarding. We love we eat all that stuff up. I when saw we have the extra biking time. lights too. I was pretty oh, excited yeah. Yeah. about that. <laughs> and then where do you like to eat? We love visiting uh, the restaurants that my dad has kind of helped create, which would be the Magnum Hospitality Restaurants, Pearls out in Elk Rapids. We both worked there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our favorite restaurants still to this day, Cafe Sante out in Boyne City. Um, Pigios, which is like a little, uh, oh, little bar. Pigios. Yeah. Pigios is right yes. down the street. From us, <laughs> oh, is it really? That's, that's, a, like, that's great... our spot for as far as like pizza and wings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, I mean, we're, we're big foodies in the area. We'll, we'll try to go out and try all different spots, but those are probably the, the top, top hits. Final question, and it sounds like this summer you're gonna go on a or this this year sometime yep. you're gonna go on a road trip with your renovated bus to share your wisdom. But I would love to hear from you wisdom that you could pass to our audience or even aspiring entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's I mean Garrett and I we we've come to the conclusion that we like the best piece of advice we give anyone, and we said this already a couple times I think in the in the presentation here would just be to go out and share your idea with other people and network and don't think that you know everything. I mean, we're, we were just on Shark Tank and we're still learning so much more than we could ever imagine. And like, it's one of our um, like, like passions is just to learn more about entrepreneurship and learn more about how we can help grow the company. And so networking and just being open to learning from other people would be, I would say, our greatest um, piece of advice for people. And it, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is people are willing to help you too. And they're almost excited to share their passion and their story with you and what's helped them. And so going on to Shark Tank, we called up six Shark Tank companies and we spoke with the founders of them saying like, hey, we're now in your position that you were last season. We're about to air in Shark Tank. What should we expect? What did you prepare for that you were happy to do and you're excited you did it? What should Mm -hmm. you have done that you wish you would have done before airing? And they're so they're so generous and they're so ready to help you and they want to help you and they want to help you succeed. And so, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those. Like, I think you have to realize that people are uh, excited to help. And I would you say have to realize that I would say one more that I just kind of thought about, too, is we got the three week call. We knew that. Or excuse me. As soon as, as soon as we got done filming, we were going to or we were awaiting the three week call three weeks before we actually aired. We would get a call saying, hey, you guys are going to air on Shark Tank. Um, but three weeks is not enough time to start you know, buying inventory and redoing your website and updating your photos and focusing on social media. It just wasn't enough time. And so after we filmed, we had about a month to really sort of just bet on ourselves and say, okay, we're going to like, we're now, we have a potential opportunity coming up. 
And there's a chance we never get that three-week phone call. But we know that if we do, and if we bet on ourselves and we risk everything right now, that we will be prepared for that three-week that three week phone call, that three-week notice. And so we, we bet on ourselves. And we, we got a new website. We ordered a bunch of inventory. We just tried to check all the boxes that we wanted to before we aired. And sure enough, we got that three-week call. So it was like, wow, thank God. But, but uh, yeah, we, we really did just kind of double down on, on ourselves. And if our audience and our listeners want some of that inventory they want the action glow for their their wakeboard surfboard stand-up paddleboard yep. how, do, how do we get one heck yeah actually <laughs> i almost just sore heck yeah <laughs> actionglow.com um and just yeah. before shark tank we released our color changing rechargeable system oh, nice. um, so you just purchase the system for your bike or the longboard and you can change it to any of the seven colors that we currently offer actionglow.com oh what an awesome conversation. Angie, what for you, what stood out about that conversation? I love, you know, you have to hear like, you know, try three times. Yeah. <laughs> they tried four times. They went back for a fourth, like fourth time's a charm. Like that was just, I just think a lot of people, you know, you get one ounce of rejection and then you just stop, you quit, you give up, you determine it's not you, but they went back again and they went back again and they went back again and it worked. And it's, it's so interesting how different the two of them are. And yet they didn't see that as an obstacle. They saw it as a way to balance each other out with the whole stay determined, think outside the box. The other saw the strength in the other person as opposed to seeing, well, we see this differently. And, you know, I don't think this way. It's, it's really amazing how they've, they complement each other and they lean on that strength. Yeah, what I thought was very fascinating too is just, you know, talking about the pitch and just kind of accepting each other's strengths mm-hmm. and accepting where their limitations were. Um, I have two boys. Gosh, I could love to imagine them, them <laughs> doing <laughs> doing that, right? Like, like embracing just each other and accepting each other for who they are. So I thought it was pretty dynamic. Yeah. And then just their constant desire to learn. They, they, there was absolutely no ego in either of them. They both realized they have a lot to learn. And maybe that's because they started at such a young age. But as they get older, they still always feel like they have a lot to learn. And I think that that lack of ego makes me want to go buy an action I don't even snowboard, but I want to go get a an action glow right now. <laughs> we should too. We should like have, have them like decorate something for we'll you. We'll start putting them up in the studio. I think that'd be good around the edge of the I table. Think so too. No, it makes me want to too as well. I know they put new products up for their bikes too. So I was definitely as they were talking, I'm like thinking about oh, I don't even ride at night, but man, I might. I might just start riding my bike at night just to feature their product. No, it was it was just an inspiration. What's really cool too is they grew up in humble beginnings. And they have this amazing opportunity and they live in our community. Like, and I think, you know, you don't have to live in Traverse City to have cool people who live around you. But people's stories like that are really just all around us. Oh, it's fantastic. And we would love to hear from you. What did you get out of the episode? What are you excited about? How can this be applied to your life? And of course, if you have any questions at all, never hesitate to reach out to Andrew myself. I am just Ben at BenWhiting.com and Angie at AngieWitkowski.com. Can't wait to see you next. <laughs>